You're listening to Tap Into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic and global policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. So Margie, today I know we're going to talk about tax department design and personnel operating models. That's right, Julie. There are several different operating models that tax departments need to think through as they're deciding what their future state new normal is going to be looking like. So Margie, I'm really excited to hear how we talk about these models and weave them into that future state. So with that, let's talk tax. I'm Margie Dungeshaw, the PwC Tax Reporting and Strategy Leader. And I'm Julie Allen, PwC's National Tax Services Market Leader. I'm also joined by Chris Yetton, Partner and Operations Leader of the InSource Solutions for Tax Practice, and we're going to be discussing tax department design. Now, Chris, we participated in a webcast together back in April where we spent some time discussing that this is the right time to evaluate or maybe reevaluate your tax department's operating model, or more simply put, the design of your tax department. Department, how is it structured, and how do they approach getting all of the required compliance and reporting, planning, and business support functions done? So we highlighted that this is not a one-size-fits-all solution, and companies really span the full spectrum from in-housing, co-sourcing, outsourcing, and last, full managed services. That's an option on the table. So Chris, as companies are starting to stabilize following the initial COVID-19 impacts, are you seeing more conversations and evaluation of the tax department design or sourcing models? Yeah, thanks, Margie, and thanks for having me on here. We certainly are seeing a lot of companies take the time now to either evaluate or reevaluate their current operating model. So if you take the anticipated decrease in corporate revenue and thus a corresponding reduction in taxes paid, and you combine that with the increase in stimulus programs we're seeing across all of our jurisdictions, we are really looking at unprecedented fiscal deficits. So to combat these deficits, there will very likely be renewed pressure and an increased complexity within the various tax regimes to help try to balance that deficit. Your tax rates are likely to increase, tax controversy will rise, and there will be even greater need for transparency and access to data and insights. And the regulatory requirements are just going to increase. We know that that's going to happen. You know, Chris, you hit on a lot of great points there. The tax rate increase, tax controversy, increased regulatory requirements, and all of these, back to your initial point, are going to affect your current operating model. So really important points to keep your eye on all of the changes that are going on. You know, in addition to that, we know that tax filing and payment deadlines, that those have been postponed, but extending filing deadlines haven't changed. And so this puts a lot of stress on the tax department's resources, and it really increases the potential risks. You know, on top of that, just playing off of that, we're anticipating the release of even more regulatory guidance that will need to be reviewed and analyzed for applicability. 
just as an FYI to all of our listeners, you know, Treasury is targeting to complete all TCJA guidance by the end of 2020. And in particular, we're expecting to see Section 163J guidance, Section 250 regulations that will cover mostly FDII issues. And we know those are currently at OIRA and could be out as early as the end of June. And we're also expecting the guilty high tax exception guidance. So there are other significant areas of guidance also that we think will come, you know, after those that I've mentioned and on top of and that will cover TCJA issues, such as foreign tax credit and expense apportionment and PTAP. So a lot coming down the pipe in a short amount of time. And given all of this, we're actively talking to all of our clients about accelerating work and in particular compliance work. And this is to try to help with some of their pain points and to try to get ahead of this additional work that we're expecting to see coming in the future. And so, Chris, just piggybacking off of that and coming back to you, how are we communicating with our clients about the potential release of guidance and this need to accelerate compliance work? And maybe I'll ask two questions in one, not only the need to accelerate this compliance work, but also what help can we offer our clients in this area? Yeah, that's great questions. And there's obviously a ton coming down the pipe here. When I think about our client base, we are in constant communications with them around day-to-day operational activities, how we jointly stand in delivering against priorities like the tax compliance and the financial reporting, and then also what we are seeing in terms of potential guidance releases. So really trying to stay in tune with our clients around this. What's really powerful about our relationships is that we have embedded teams at our clients driving the activity within their organization, but we're also able to bring the scale of the firm's technical expertise and broad connectivity to all of our IST clients. So it's a really, really powerful approach that we partner with uh, our clients on and, and make sure we're driving that communication. So Chris, as companies adapt to what's next... Can we dive a little bit deeper into tax managed service model? That vocabulary is a little newer to the scene. So as compared to traditional outsourcing, what is managed services and how is that different than the traditional outsourcing model? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Margie, and sometimes a little difficult to define that difference between an outsourced model and managed service. The way I think about it is really being embedded within an organization and driving the activities from a functional perspective, including the upfront management of the data. Typically, in an outsource model, you see schedule request list asking for data coming from the client. You use that data to then prepare the tax return or execute a provision. That's not what managed services is about. We are in the client's operating environment, dealing with their ERPs, dealing with their infrastructure, liaising with controllership, FP&A, Treasury, on a day-to-day basis. And so when I think about this, part of the way we're able to do it is by taking on some of the resources inside that client's organization as part of our team to help deliver. So having those embedded relationships really helps facilitate that processing. And, you know, we've really seen a renewed interest in the managed service model because it helps our clients aggressively combat some of the challenges that we've seen in the ways that a traditional model doesn't. I think about three or four different things. One, always at the top of the list, particularly in the COVID environment, is the increase on cost pressures. You know, finding large-scale cost savings within a tax organization is really hard, especially without putting the organization at risk from a quality perspective 
or without having to implement furloughs that I know a lot of companies are dealing with today. And in our experience, our managed service model can provide a 10 to 20% cost savings without it jeopardizing the quality and while providing an attractive alternative for our clients' employees. So it's soft landing there. I also think about increased regulatory requirements. We just talked about everything that's coming down the pipe and the complexities only getting more intense, both in the U.S. and abroad. And it's putting strain on the tax directors and their staff to keep up with these, both from a planning and then a compliance perspective. They need more modeling and insight capabilities to help manage their organization. And as a managed service provider, you know, we are really able to help them because tax is part of our core function, whereas a lot of organizations tax isn't, right? And so we both have the technical capabilities and a resource model that allows us to scale up and scale down as needed. So one of the other things I think about is technology. And I think about companies' ability to invest in that, the cost associated with it, and staying up to date. So we really need to be able to technology enable the function. I think about technology as facilitating a process and having the right both tools and digital acumen within your function is critically important. And we're able to provide that both in terms of our investment in our people and our investment in our technology platforms. And then the last thing that's really come up recently with COVID is the ability to work remotely in a very effective way. And when I look at the firm's capability to do that over the past several months, it's been really remarkable when we look at our alliance clients and how we've been able to deliver for them seamlessly without exception has been really, really powerful. So looking at all four of these things has really increased the interest in the model. And it's how I think about differentiating managed services from a traditional outsource model. Yeah, Chris, that's interesting because when we started this conversation, we said clients are all over the spectrum here and, and it's not a one size fits all. So as they're sitting back and reflecting and thinking through all the factors or criteria that might lead them towards the appropriate conclusion for their organization, based on your experience in helping clients transition either functions or processes to their model, what are certain signals or certain factors that should flag a potential need that managed services might be the right fit? We've obviously got the four things that I just talked about in terms of of items that people would use to consider a managed service model. But some of the other things that I think about, the more complex your business, the more global and the more nimble that your organization needs to be, the more a managed service provider could be the right choice for your organization, to be honest, right? Understanding whether a function or a process has the potential to be transitioned is the first step towards deciding on what's the best fit delivery model. So companies really need to look at their organization and evaluate their functions and say, okay, is this suitable for managed services? And things that I think about in terms of signals could be, You've got a really high cost base and a recurring investment for something that's outside of the core competency of the organization. That's tax traditionally falls into that bucket. High level of knowledge and expertise required with continuous upskilling. I see this all the time in the tax space. Now, there's a lot of work to keep people up to speed from a tax technical perspective. But as we've talked about on other webcasts, that digital acumen is critically important in transforming and running your tax function efficiently today. Highly manual activities and in-house technology investment costs outweighs the benefits. How can companies today really keep up with the pace of change from a technology perspective, particularly in the tax space? Super difficult. High impact from an error or non-compliance, so that it's really a risk play here. So uh, how do you manage that risk, both from a reputational and a financial statement perspective? 
if you're looking at your underlying financial systems and you've got a bunch of disparate systems and how do you get your data in a place that allows you to facilitate a process, and that could be another catalyst. Transactions. Client enters into a transaction, either a spin or an acquisition, and you're looking for synergies. How do you integrate a function? Is managed services the best way to do that? And then I think about speed in transforming. Like, how quickly can you get to that future state model? And is managed service really an accelerator for that? So those are some of the things that I think about in terms of catalysts or things people think about in, in evaluating whether or not managed services is a right fit for a particular function. So, Chris, can I play off of some of those points you just talked about? You really went through kind of a detailed bottoms-up analysis to evaluate whether this is a good fit for your company and really drove home those important signals that we need to focus on. I would like to go to a different place on that. I was thinking it would be crucially important when you're making sure that this is a good fit for your company, that you would also want to focus on a good fit for your provider. So based on your experience, what should a company be thinking about and asking potential providers to find out if they're that right fit? That's a great point. So <laughs> you know, getting to the answer that you think this might be the right model is step one and making sure you pick the right alliance partner is step two. And it's really, really important because these are not you know, one-year engagements. These are transformative multi-year engagements, and you're really picking a partner to help you redesign and execute your function for you. And it's there's a lot of risk intact, so this is critically important that you get the right partner. And to be honest with you, not all providers are the same. You know, tax-managed service model that we provide is a relatively new concept in the marketplace, really came into existence a few years ago, and we've learned a lot over the past three years. And so I think about the question that you asked specifically, what are some of the things that companies should be thinking about when evaluating your potential provider? One of the questions I would ask is, what are your proven models for continuous tax technology modernization and continuous tax upskilling? What procedures do you have in place to protect against loss of company knowledge? So as people are, are leaving an organization, how do you prevent that loss of knowledge? What is the scope and reach of your tax workforce globally? A lot of companies have a really large footprint. And how do you make sure you've got the right competency in the right locations to service those teams? How quickly can you switch between a remote and on-site support? We just experienced this as part of COVID. What is your track record in delivering operational efficiency and high-quality tax services? So do you have references for other engagement? Do you have other clients that are willing to back the model? How does using your model change your risk profile? This is a question I think about coming out of the CFO's mouth all of the time. Look, I love cost savings, but I cannot risk a slip up either in my financial statement reporting process or reputational risk in terms of missing a compliance obligation. So making sure that the risk profile is managed appropriately. And then one thing I think is super important is what is your governance process and how will I maintain control and influence over my tax organization on a go forward basis? That's typically coming from the head of tax. So those are the types of things that I think about. We've seen these questions come through over the past three years. I think they're really important and they're really impactful in, in evaluating whether or not you've got a provider that's going to be able to stand by you for a multi-year arrangement. Chris, that's such an important point because it's really an art when you're trying to balance the risk and the cost 
and the efficacy, that balancing those three components, it's an important point for clients to think long and hard about as they're landing on a decision point here. And the items that you've outlined above, I think are really gonna help a lot of companies think through strategically where they think their model should land. So Julie and Chris, I wanna thank you both very much for a very insightful discussion today. And for more information on this topic and additional podcasts, please visit pwc.com slash us slash tax podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.